This show has explicit language and probably has mature themes. Hey, John, will you give us that intro look? I'm Dexter Sorensen. I looked some stuff up on Wikipedia, watched some YouTube about it. I'm going to explain it to my friend, David Gerondale. Hey, dude. Hey, Dex. What's up? Not too much. It's the end of the week. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's not true for you, huh? Oh, well, I mean, technically it's going to be the weekend, but I do work on the weekends right now. That's not so bad. What are we going to learn about? We're going to talk about the prisoner's dilemma. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So, The Prisoner's Dilemma, it's a standard introduction to game theory. Right. And it has implications for things way beyond the game itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so let's get into it. I kind of want to do this part in, like, uh, an (laughs) old-timey, old-timey voice. So you just tell me not to. No, go for it. All right. (laughs) We're criminals, me and you. Partners in crime, you might say. Pulling off some real crimes. Together. (laughs) All right, I don't want to do the rest in it. Uh, So, yeah, we've been pulling off some crimes. And we we just like to do crimes. Yeah, we do crimes together. We do crimes together. We're brothers in crime. Yep. Um, Recently, even though we're on probation, we robbed a jewelry store. Oh, and but we got we mostly got away with it. We got some loots and we, we stashed split, it. We split it evenly and then stashed it individually. Okay. So though three days later, we're both speeding around one of our Hondas, and the cops pull us over. But we're wearing our bulletproof vests because we got the bulletproof vest for oh, the yeah. for the robbery. They're pretty cool. Cool, and they're still working yeah cool speeding we around. Shot. Yeah, but since we're both on probation. That's a parole vi- violation right there. Mm, wearing bulletproof vests. Yep. And so we're, I don't know if this can't is actually. You can't protect yourself if you're a felon. Exactly. You can't, <laughs> apparently. I mean, the ODB got for it. I don't know it, how regularly that's a thing nowadays. Anyway, we got it, though. Yep. And we're both sentenced to two years for the pr- parole violation. Ugh. Lame. Yep. And uh, the cops take us in. And we're put in solitary confinement. Okay, so we're separated from each other. Yep. And this next part is important for the prisoner's dilemma. Neither of us are worried about our own reputation. Mostly, we're only worried about how much time we're going to serve. Gotcha. Yeah. Even though, like, you know, I might care about you in person. Like, in this situation, we're really only worried about... We're thinking about number one. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Can't be doing no time. But some, for some reason, probably because it like makes it easier for them, the prosecution lets us in on their sentencing plan. Okay. So there are three options. A, if neither of us cooperate with the investigation, we'll do our two years for parole violation. Okay. Yep. So if neither of us says anything or Both of our keep our fucking yaps shut. We're just going to do the two years for the bulletproof vests. Gotcha. Then we're, then we're good. That's the best. That's the best option for the group. 
B, both of us cooperate with the investigation, so we rat each other out. Okay. For the diamond heist. And each of us do six years. Ooh, that's way more than two. Yeah. And then C is, if one of us but not the other cooperates, the cooperator with the investigation will do no time and the person who keeps their mouth shut will do 10 years. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so we got a dilemma on our hands. Yeah, we're in a pickle. What do you do? Um, well, you know, I believe that you would cooperate with me. I, like personally, keep your I think you'd and, keep But your we mouth haven't shut. been able to talk about this beforehand. Yeah, no. Cuz they told us the plan after we were separated. No. Um, but I'd also like to believe that you believe that I would keep my mouth shut. Right. So you so 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 you're saying because your like, inclination would be to keep your mouth shut because you think I would keep my mouth shut and then we both get 2 years. Exactly. Um, yeah, I like, I feel like I can trust you. I feel like, uh, feel like you probably wouldn't sell me out immediately. After all, we if, just got through all these heists. If we're talking about we're, me personally, I would rather be played a fool than feel like I was the guy who just, <laughs> who just fucked someone else yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually why we, uh, put the stipulation that the only thing we care about is time. Yep. Um, so, but if I actually believe that you're going to remain silent for the greater good, I'm highly incentivized to snitch on you. Yep. Because I'll do no years, you'll do 10 years. Yep. Fuck it. You're going to have to do it, homie. And your only concern is the time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so actually, yeah, if you think I will cooperate with you and not cooperate with the prosecution, it behooves you to cooperate with the prosecution. Yeah. Well, and if like you believe that I know that about you, we both just keep checking our each other each other's choices, and we're like, okay, so like, in what situation is it better for me? In both situations, it's generally better for you to snitch, because if you believe they're not going to snitch, then snitching will get you no years, and if you believe they are going to snitch, then you're going to get six instead of ten. Yeah. So let's lay it out. If you if you snitch. You either get zero years or six years. Yeah. If you don't snitch, you either get two years or ten years. Mm -hmm. So snitching looks like the better option. Actually, absolutely. And that's probably why the prosecution told you about their sentencing plan. In the first place, because they knew <laughs> this. Yeah. Um, so let's so let's like actually say though that we get a moment out of solitary. We get to talk to each other. Okay. Um Big mistake prosecution. Yeah, big mistake. Chumps. We, yeah, fucking chumps. So we make a game plan. We're going to stay silent on the heist. Oh, man. Yeah. So now we've talked. We've talked about it. But now we both still have it in the back of our mind that the other, will definitely, that the other <clears throat> will definitely remain silent. And so we're, we go back to it. Now, it, how, it has now, it actually helped us at all to it be able to talk? It hasn't it helped hasn't. us at all. Because if I know that you're going to remain silent, then it's still in my best interest to rat you out because then I'll get off scot-free. Yep. And likewise, I know you know that. And so, so then it, oh man, what a chess game. Yeah. It reminds me of that scene in Princess Bride with the poisons. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, but you might know, uh, knowing that I have studied philosophy and know that I am a mortal man would put the poison as far away from myself as possible. <laughs> yeah. You know what scene I'm talking about? No, absolutely. Yeah. 
And then it turns, yeah, it turns out. I mean, this is a major spoiler for Holy If you Grail. haven't seen this movie <laughs> and you're worried about spoilers, screw you. But also go yeah. watch it because it's amazing. Anyway, uh, he's built up an immunity. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Poisoned so, both of them. So, yeah. Anyway, we're going to end up back in the pl- prisoner's dilemma even if we eventually talk to each other. Yeah. Um, and that's why it was important to assume that we're only interested about it for the... For the less amount of time served. Right. This is not meant to be an illustration of what actually happens in real life. It's meant to be an il- illustration of how game theory works. Because in because in tr- in real life, no one will ever do crimes with you if they figured out that you fucked me over. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. On, on now of, my now I have to go get a job in the real real world. Yeah. On top of that, I'm gonna fucking stab you when I get out. Exactly. You're gonna <laughs> shiv the fuck out of me, or just pay somebody outside of prison to shiv the fuck exactly. out of me. Exactly. I I have that diamond money. Yep. You just need to tell people where it is, fucking, and ooh, they're gonna kill me. Fucking watch your back, David. That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Snitches <laughs> get stitches. All right. So. uh that's basically the prisoner's dilemma. We're going to talk about what's called the tragedy of the commons next. Okay. I've but, heard of this one, but I, th- I don't know if I'm as familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. But before we do, let's break down the situation of the prisoner's dilemma to its basis components. Okay. Okay. So it's got two stanzas. Situation A is better than B. Situation B is better than C. And finally, situation C is better than D. That's the first stanza. Okay. Um, so yeah, alphabetically, situations are better than each other. Gotcha. Okay. Um, also, the situation is such that if we both cooperate, or in this case, remain silent, we'll both end up with B. If we both decide not to cooperate... With each other. Or, yeah, in this case, we both rat each other out. Gotcha. We'll both end up with C. Okay. But if one of us cooperates and the other doesn't, the rat will end up with A, a. and the other ends up with D. D. Yep. Okay. Um, that's the prisoner's dilemma in its basic form. And it applies to tons of other tons of other things. So if if both cooperate, they both get B. Mm-hmm. If one cooperates, the other doesn't. The cooperator gets, gets D. No, the cooperator gets D, and the non-cooperator gets A. Right, because the rat's the non-cooperator. Yeah. If we're talking about cooperation between the criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not with the prosecution. Yeah, yeah. That's then, that's where I was. I was thinking about cooperating with the prosecution. And then if both don't cooperate with each other, both get C. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's in this basis form and it applies to a lot of huh, other so things. So C and B are only open if both choose the same option. Yeah. And yeah. then if their options diverge or their choices diverge, then A and D come into play. Yep. And uh, so yeah, the worst option is for one not to cooperate and the other to cooperate. For the one who cooperated, it's yeah. the worst option. Yeah, and it's the best option for the... Non-cooperator. Yep. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so let's, let's move on to the tragedy of the commons. It basically just, like, expands the question. Okay. Um, so the tragedy of the commons imagines a village with a common grazing area for everyone with sheep. Let's say there are 10 of us with sheep. And everyone can use the grazing area freely. Okay. We'll call we'll call that the commons. Gotcha. Um, however, it's understood that the commons can't support everyone grazing there indefinitely. 
Gotcha. Okay. So if everyone restricts their grazing time, then everyone will have a better outcome for their individual herd and the group as a whole will prosper. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So far, so good. But every single farmer has their own situation, their own family, investments, etc. Their own personal interests. Yeah. They, so they that might diverge at points from the common interest. Mm-hmm. And they each have their own incentive to let their sheep graze for just a bit longer. Right. Makes sense. Then the re- yeah, they get the a slight the advantage. They get a slight advantage. They might have a lot of personal reasons for why they feel like they really deserve that slight advantage. Yeah. Like uh, me and my family for example, we're going through some real hard times. Yeah. My kid, can, my kid has polio. One just, of my two kids. I know you have three kids, but one of mine's sick. Well, two, So I really need that extra time. I got one kid with polio, one kid with TB, and my mule is fucking lame. So deal with that. Anyway. <laughs> well, I don't, feel like the, I don't feel like I should have to sacrifice necessarily just because you were dealt a de- bad hand. Yeah, but you're not sure that I'm not going to. Hmm. Um, so yeah, if anyone notices my extra grazing, like you just did, or realizes in their own situation a need, or like just a plain will, even if there's not a need to do the extra grazing, the whole thing is fucked up. The commons, it's going to fucking not be a thing. Right. Pretty soon. So then everybody realizes that the commons is fucked and will make a run on the commons, basically. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, we have no reason to let our sheep not graze because the whole thing is going to shit. No one else is cooperating. Why, yeah. why, why should we make a sacrifice so everyone else can just take what was rightfully partially ours? Get it while the getting's good. Yep. Yeah. You so, actually see that play out in a larger economic sense mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, we're going to talk about two examples of that real quick. Um, but, yeah, that's basically the prisoner's dilemma expanded. Um. And that's where it becomes more realistic game theory, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it becomes more representative of things that happen in the real world. Mm. So let's talk about overfishing. Okay. So like, you know, let's talk about it in order to make the concept a little more universal. Um, so instead of the grazing area, it's the ocean. And instead of overgrazing, overfishing is the problem. Gotcha. And everybody, we can all agree that the ocean can't sustain the amount of fishing we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if literally everyone oh, agrees, yeah, yeah. but unless you have a vested interest in a oh, fishing yeah. industry, I think you agree that we've overfished the fuck out of our oceans. Yeah, I guess we're I should, when I say everyone, I guess I mean scientists. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and a lot of the fish that you see on me- menus these days, like Ruffy and stuff like that, um, those were never on menus uh, mm. uh, going back into the early 90s, the 80s, 70s. And the whole reason that those are on menus now is because a lot of the fish that used to be on menus is just not fished anymore because it's it's depleted. We don't oh, fish wow. them anymore because they're gone, basically. They're not extinct, well, but they're... there's no viable population from which to fish. And so we've started fishing different, less um, appealing fish and giving them names that they didn't used to have. Yeah, what was it? What was the, the ruffy used to be called something like the slime. I thought you said slime. it before, like slime hog, or slime face. Something. It was something slime. It was really unappealing. Yeah, it was like super fucked. But it's, I don't know, you just got to eat what you got to eat. Yep. Because basically everything is going to shit because everybody's overfishing everything. Oh, yeah. You got to, yeah. Your family still has to eat. 
So, like, as the tragedy of the commons, the same scenario is true. If everyone can just agree to not overfish, then we can continue to use the ocean's resources yeah, at golden. a sustainable rate, and everyone will be able to continue to fish ad infinitum. But, of course, we fall into the same problem with the tragedy of the commons. Like, every single individual actor or nation or individual actor in a nation is incentivized to not abide by the rules. Right. And as soon as anybody fucks it up, largely, then everybody's incentivized not to abide by the rules. Exactly. Especially when gaining wealth is the main concern. Yeah, or <clears throat> especially when like when we talk about wealth, a lot of people tend to think like people who are well-to-do, but you know, if you're the captain of a fishing vessel one season could make or break you. And it's not necessarily yeah. like farming where like we have all of these, these various farming bills from across the centuries in our country that protect farmers from a bad harvest. If you're a fisherman, you're, you're kind of shit out of luck. I'm sure there are some safety nets, but it's not nearly as, uh, as well built up as, as farming agriculture or agriculture is. Yeah, and basically telling an an individual farmer that they have to limit their catch is putting them on austerity to some yep. measure. And if you're put on austerity and everybody else you know is put on austerity, then times are hard already. And if you can just like sneak a little bit more, then you'll be better off than the than the group as a whole. Yep. And you know what? And you might also <clears throat> think about it in such a way as to because our thinking while we while I think almost all humans are rational and logical, the where we begin our train of thought, our train of logic or rationality is usually not logical or rational. It almost never is. It's yeah. personal. It's emotional. Yeah, absolutely. And so you might feel like a lot of these regulations are bullshit. And, you know, your Especially family's on the line. You. And these people making the regulations, they don't know what it's like to actually live this life. And they're putting an unreasonable burden on you. And you're actually not hurting anyone by bending the rules a little bit. Well, and there's, like, no real flaw in your logic because they don't know. They don't. Yeah, they you're don't. right. And that's what they're, I'm saying. Like, it's a, the that's regulations a rational on, line putting, of thought. Yeah, they're putting the regulations on you because it hurts the world as a whole. But... They don't they're know not, how that affects you. Yeah. And they're not necessarily concerned with that. And you know, a lot of a lot of the lay people who back that decision, a lot of progressives like myself, might also yeah. not be thinking about the hardship that that puts on you and your community. Yeah. It kind of sucks to be part of like a, a coalition that wants to make things better by imposing like small austerities. It does. It does. Because th those small austerities, to those can group, ruin yeah. communities. Yeah. You know, there are tons in of communities. those certain situations. Yeah. There are tons of communities in Oregon that have fallen into a harsh decline because of the cutback in, in timber money. And part of that is because the Spotted Owl campaign mm -hmm. showed Americans what damage we were doing to such small environments. And a lot of regulations came out of that. And I think that those had a positive impact on the world and um, our future heritage but for a lot of communities in oregon the short-term impact and when i say short term yeah. i mean 50 60 year impact is negative yeah well yeah and uh i think i heard recently about this on npr while i was driving around um the conservation of the spotted owl is interesting in that their range is basically just like patches along 
along forests like everywhere. It's not like a uniform right. range. A contiguous body, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting. It's several separated little islands. Yeah. Which is why it's so important to protect them in each pl- place because they don't there's not a lot of fallback. If you if you wreck one in one little forest, one ecosystem, there's just no more spotted owls there. It's not like those spotted owls were able to fall back. They're kind of like pandas, like they exist in these little yep. islands and they're fucked if that island's gone. Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, like pollution, same thing. Yeah. Oh like yeah, pollution, exactly, especially like amongst you, nations. Amongst nations, yeah. If you think that somebody else isn't going to abide by the treaties, or the rules, and then fuck it, you know? And that's that's like, basically been a big part of the argument between countries about coming to UN agreements on climate resolution. Mm-hmm. So like a, a big part of it is countries like Brazil, India, uh, China, countries that are either well on their way to becoming fully developed or are, you know, making inroads into becoming fully developed. Those countries, they point to you know, what we were doing with carbon emissions 50 years ago, which is where they are development wise compared to us. And they're like, no, what you're trying, what you're doing is basically stymieing our development. You produced Mm. all this carbon for years when we were producing nothing. And so you should have to make more cuts than we do. Mm. And then there's the argument that like, no, we didn't know that it was an issue. Now we all need to work together for the global good. There's the other thing as the standout, like first contributor and now, attempted positive reformer um how can nations trust us when we're just backing out of treaties left and right yeah especially nowadays yeah yeah when when our executive branch treats treaties as though they're a monetary arrangement and if it doesn't suit us uh first and foremost we will not make any sacrifices on behalf of anyone else america first is a zero sum game it's not a it is it's dilemma. a zero sum game you're absolutely right that's the best way to put it is that our current executive views the world and politics and globalization in a zero sum game fashion they yeah. view it as a business model yeah and in my opinion not a very fucking good one no somebody Most needs to good explain business models somebody aren't needs zero to sum exp- games yeah Exactly. <laughs> Someone needs to explain to the executive that a tariff is not a tax on another country. You can't tax another country. That doesn't fucking work at all. Yeah. You tax your own people. That's it. Yeah. A tariff is a tax on your own people for importing goods from that country. In when you put to, a yeah. tariff on China, on you, their steel... Everyone will pay more money for to get your Chinese steel. And then you're attempting to incentivize American steel workers to make cheaper steel. Yep. Nor, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. It's, he's yeah. literally it. The executive is literally attempting to take us backwards in time, and it mm. just doesn't work that way. No. Um. But yeah, that is pretty much what I got on the prisoner's dilemma. It basically affects everything, and uh, it's partially why the world's so fucked up. Like in so many situations where it's better for everyone to cooperate, especially where there are many actors. It only makes sense that the specific individuals won't cooperate and everyone will end up with benefit C. Yeah. But after all, no one wants to get the D while <laughs> everyone else gets the A. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It. You know what, though? In a way, it makes me optimistic because there are so many situations in which you see the prisoner dilemma or the, the, the um, tragedy of the commons play out in the positive way 
Yeah. You know, as many times as we have examples of it going exactly how we expect it to go pessimistically, there's so many examples when we triumph, even to a small degree. And what that shows you is human nature is capable of overcoming individual interests for the common good. Yeah, I think... uh, I think that says something really good about us. Like, yeah. That it ever works says something good about us. mm, Like, uh, it's a big thing in philosophy, pretty much. The underlying issues in the prisoner's dilemma is like a big issue in philosophy, and I could be mixing them up, but I think Hobbes was saying that, like, because people are interested in fucking everybody over, ultimately, then we need to have an authoritarian regime. Mm. And then Hume was like, no, people actually are incentivized to work with people because they have to do it again. Like, how it's better not to snitch. And in general, people will probably not snitch because they're going to have to commit crimes with each other. They will have to cooperate in the future. Or they have to cooperate in the future. They have to think future. about future cooperation. Mm-hmm. Or stigmatization. Yeah. David Hume is actually one of my favorite philosophers. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of really intelligent, rational things to say about. He's actually the one who gave me... That's David Hume is the person who I was essentially paraphrasing when I said that we are all rational and logical. It's just that the base... The, the start, the, tr- the station from which the train leaves usually is not rational. Yeah. That, our, our base um, uh, alignment is irrational, but our logic is rational and logical. Yeah. I had a, one more thing on this go topic ahead, that ahead. this has been reminding me of the whole time is one time I read an article in Scientific American about how cheaters punish cheaters more than fair players do. And it makes sense because if you're a cheater and someone and you catch someone else cheating, what they're essentially doing is making it less profitable for you to cheat. Yeah. yeah. You want everyone else to play as fairly as possible. And so cheaters in sports and in general, like in in, um, finance, when it comes to like somebody embezzling money or doing something they shouldn't like kind of shady. Um, cheaters are often the most vocal punishers of other cheaters. Oh, yeah. Honestly, that's. I don't know. That's kind of like a truism for a lot of things. Like a lot of people think that, I don't know if it's truism or if it's just stereotype, but like a lot of people think that like the most homophobic people are the gayest. Oh, right. Right. And I think that does happen. That does happen because of like a certain amount of internalized loathing. Yeah. Or like, uh, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about like how if you sneak your way into a line, and uh, you just got away with it. Nobody saw you doing it. And then you see somebody else sneak into a line. You're going to want to join the group real quick and be like, yeah, you can't do that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I'm one of these people who waited here for sure. I never I never snuck in. You, get, you guys are tripping. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, got, you got anything else about the prisoner's dilemma? Nope. All right, let's end it. <laughs> That's it for this episode. The Explanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. Art and logo by Monet Moran. I want to thank all of our patrons. Your support means everything to me, to us, and the show itself. If you want to support the show like them, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations. Tell a friend to listen to your favorite episode or leave a review on iTunes. Likely, we got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or just want to bullshit, hit me up at DexplanationsPodcast at gmail.com. 
tweet us at Explanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. Oh, and as for you, I know that you'd never sell me out. Bye now. Thank <laughs> you.